Hey folks, welcome to uh, another version of our online Liberty Grace service. We want to thank you for your continued support and pray that you are uh, well. And uh, as we continue to look forward to what it is that, that God is doing in this time, uh, we want to make sure that you're aware that we are beginning services in person, and those began today. Uh, there are two services, 945 uh, without child care. Nursery care will be provided beginning September the 6th. The second service will begin uh, at 11 a.m., and it will have full child care services, Sunday school, nursery, those things also beginning September the 6th. You can come right now for 9.45 and 11 a.m., but there is no child care provided for the next two weeks until we work out some of the bugs and make sure that we are in a place where we can do some proper social distancing and make sure that we're, uh, we're ready for this. So thanks for your prayers through this, and we're continuing to trust that God is in control. And with that said, we're going to look at uh, Mark chapter 13 and see how it is that God continues to keep us from the beginning of time until now in this tension between the information we have and the faith that we need. You know, we continue to want answers even through this time. We want to know what God is doing and why is he allowing this to happen, and we continue to, to seek out answers and yet we need to make decisions, as I've said in one of my other videos, and we need information to make some of those decisions, but sometimes you have to make decisions based on faith, and, and how you live your life is one of those important decisions, and it should be based on the faith that you are cultivating. It doesn't mean that, that God did, doesn't give us any information or any empirical evidence, but he doesn't always answer the questions that we have before we trust him, right? That's where faith comes in. There's this, there's this need for us to trust him in some of the unseen things. Faith, as defined in the scriptures, is confidence in what we hope for and assurance of what we do not see. Faith is confidence in what we hope for, what we're looking forward to, and confidence in things that we don't yet see. We have to trust God and have our faith in Him based upon what He's done over the past generations and what He is doing in our hearts. He's cultivating and growing this faith. And so as we look at this, we're going to look at the whole chapter of of Mark 13 because there's really no stopping point. And so we're going to buzz through a lot of passages here. I think it's 37 verses. And, and we're going to look at how he unveils some truth to people and gives empirical evidences of things, but yet still leaves it shrouded in mystery. He wants you to know this is good for now and this is information that you need to trust me to have faith for your future. One such evidence happens in the first two verses here. So just so you remember, the book of Mark was written sometime between 55 A.D. and 65 A.D., so about 30 years or so after Jesus died and after the resurrection. And so we look at Mark chapter 13, verses 1 and 2, and it says, As Jesus was leaving the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Look, teacher, what massive stones, what magnificent buildings. 
Do you see all these great buildings? Replied Jesus. Not one stone here will be left on another. Every one will be thrown down. And if we stopped right there, we could see this tension, okay? That the disciples are living in a world of some opulence. You know, Jerusalem is at the pinnacle of its of its success in terms of religious leadership, and they're doing things there. Remember, we saw Jesus visit the temple and throw out the money changers, and, and the temple that has been built is an incredible building. It's a beautiful facade with lots of, of intricate detail, and the disciples are amazed and impressed by this temple. They follow Jesus in there, and they're looking at it, and they're saying, man, do you see these magnificent buildings? And Jesus tells them, this building is going to be destroyed. Not one stone will be left on another. Everything will be thrown down. And he tells them this sometime before he is crucified, so in the 30 A.D. reign. By A.D. 70, 10 years after Mark writes this gospel, recording what Jesus said, 10 years after that, the Romans destroy the temple. They destroy it so thoroughly that nothing is left. 10 years after Mark writes this, 30 years after Jesus is crucified, the stones of the temple are destroyed. Nothing is left standing. That's a perfect example of, of Jesus telling the disciples, don't get caught up in the facade of the temple. Trust me, who I am and what I am doing, and understand that I'm going to tell you this temple is going to be destroyed. It's going to be wiped out. But it's going to be for a purpose. It's going to be indicative of what I'm doing. I'm, I'm destroying an old way and bringing about grace and mercy for you. And trust me. And by A.D. 70, they saw that come to fruition. They saw the Romans destroy it. And so, so there was this balance of trusting Jesus and following him and, and believing what he said in his life, but yet not seeing it until A.D. 70. And yet now we have the opportunity as believers to look back and say, wow, Jesus said this was going to happen, and it happened. He does this over and over and over throughout the book of Mark, and he wants us to live in this tension, and the disciples are not going to stop there. They still want answers like we do today. That is, is this virus, is this pandemic part of the end plan, and how do we live in the tension of it and yet live in the faith that God is still in control and understanding all that he is doing? So move down to verse 3. So 3 through 11. Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple. Peter, James, John, and Andrew ask him privately, Tell us when these things will happen, and what will be the sign that they are all about to be fulfilled? And Jesus said to them, Watch out that no one deceives you. Many will come in my name, claiming that I am he, and will deceive many. When you hear, war, hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. Such things must happen, 
but the end is still to come. Nation will rise up against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places and famines. There will be the beginnings of the birth pains. You must be on your guard. You will be handed over to the local councils and flogged in the synagogues. On account of me, you will stand before the governors and kings as witnesses to them. And the gospel must first be preached to all nations. Whenever you are arrested and brought to trial, do not worry beforehand about what you will say. Just say whatever is given to you at that time, for it is you speaking, but it is the Holy Spirit. It is not you speaking but it is the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus is sitting across from the temple and his inner circle, Peter, James, John, and Andrew ask him, Lord, you got to give us some more information. You got to tell us when these things are going to happen. So we're ready, right? We want to be, we want to be ready, but we want to be ready when it's time. And, and we live in that tension in our world, don't we? We want to have faith in what Jesus did and what, what is happening in our world, but we want to know when it's happening. And Jesus and God the Father have chosen not to give us that information because, unfortunately, we would use it to our own benefit. We would live the way we want to live until the day before uh, it happens, and then we'd say, okay, Jesus, I'm ready now, right? I know tomorrow's the day. I want to make things right. And and that's not what faith is based on. We're supposed to live, remember, in the things that are hoped for and trust and have confidence, assurance in the things that are not yet seen. And Jesus has to paint this picture and he cares so much more about their hearts again as, as we've talked about through the book of Mark that you don't need more information. You need to watch out for somebody who comes and gives you information. Someone that comes and says, I am he. Someone that claims from the rooftops, look, trust me, I know what's going on. Don't be deceived. And when you hear of things falling apart, when you see your world in shambles, when there's wars and rumors of wars, don't be alarmed for such things must happen. Those things are going to happen. Pandemics are going to happen. Earthquakes are going to happen. Famines are going to happen. But the end is still to come. And you must live in that tension and trust in faith through these times. Even when you see nation against nation, kingdom against kingdom, it's the beginning of the plan that is unfolding for the next thing. And that's Jesus' second coming, which he will talk about in a minute. He tells them, you must be on your guard because you are going to be called in front of people. You are going to be brought before the religious leaders, the, the governmental leaders, and you're going to be asked to give a testimony of your faith. So don't be deceived and be ready with your testimony. That's what Jesus was saying. When, you, when he was asked about the days and the hours, he spun it back around on the disciples and said, don't worry about the day and the hour. Trust me and be faithful. Continuing to do those things, and even when you are arrested, right? When you are brought to trial, 
Don't worry about what you are to say. But if you have cultivated a relationship with me, I have sent a comforter you to you, the Holy Spirit. And even in those days, he will give you the words to say. Trust the Holy Spirit, the comforter, and the guide. When you are to give a testimony before a religious leader or a governmental agency, if one of those things happens, that's some of the stuff that, that was going to happen to the disciples. They didn't know those things yet. They hadn't been able to see some of those things. They didn't know they would be beaten and whipped for their testimony about Jesus. But those days were coming. And God just says, rely on the comfort that I have sent you in the Holy Spirit. Have faith in me, and you will have the words to say that I will give you through the Holy Spirit. The gospel must be preached in those situations. He cared that the gospel was continually presented in those courts. Chapter 12 or chapter 13, verses 12 through 25, he continues to describe what's going to happen. Brother will betray brother to death and a father his child. Children will, will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. Everyone will hate you because of me, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. And that's an important line that we need to remember as we hear it later. When you stand firm to the end, you will be saved. When you see the abomination that causes desolation, standing where it doesn't belong, let the reader understand that then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. No one on the housetop is to go down and enter the house or take anything out. Let no one in the field go back to get their cloak. And how dreadful. It will be in those days for pregnant women and nursing mothers. Pray that it will not take place in winter because those days will be of distress unequaled from the beginning when God created the world until now and even never to be equaled again. If the Lord had not cut short those days, no one would survive. But for the sake of the elect whom he has chosen, he has shortened them. And at that time, if anyone says to you, look, here is the Messiah, or look, here he is, do not believe it. For the false Messiah and the false prophets will appear and perform signs and wonders to deceive you. And if possible, even the elect. So be on your guard. I have told you everything ahead of time. But in the following, in those days, following that distress, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, and the stars will fall from the sky, and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. Jesus continues to talk about the things that are coming and yet put it back firmly in the camp of faith. I've told you all of these things. You're going to have to trust me as you see them unfold. As you see father betray his children. As you see children rebelling against their parents. And you see the abomination of desolation is a specific phrase that, that has been used throughout prophecy to describe a couple of different things. In, in B.C., 168 B.C., Antiochus Epiphanes, 
brought a pig into the temple, which is an animal that is not allowed to be inside of the Jewish culture in any way, let alone in the temple, and he offers it as a sacrifice and desecrates the first temple. The second temple is destroyed in AD 70 by the Romans, another desecration, and yet in Revelation chapter 13, we see that the Antichrist will set up an image of himself inside of the temple and further desecrate the temple that is to be set apart for the worship of the one true God. And we see all of these things unfolding, and yet we've seen some happen. We are yet to see some happen, and there will be things that unfold that will be unbelievable to us. And, and he uses this picture that it's going to be so bad and dreadful for pregnant women and nursing mothers because... We're going to worry about the next generation, right? That as we see these times unfold and these things will panic our hearts and drive us to faith that God is on the throne, we're still going to struggle because we're going to have our children to think of. And we're going to wonder in human terms, what's it going to be like in the world my child has to grow up in? And those are are valid questions. But God promises that these things are going to happen, that's going to be unequaled as it, as it happens and un, unfolds in our world. But Jesus also says that the Lord cut short the days for the sake of the elect. Remember that last phrase. Remember before that those who stand firm will be saved. And he calls them the elect. That, that those who even throughout this tribulation period are drawn to him. He cuts short the days for their sake. So that they can be gathered up to him. He has ordered the days to accomplish his plan. He has literally cut short these days of persecution, this tribulation period that we, we know is coming for the sake of the elect. He has everything ultimately totally in control. Even though we can't see it, right? We, we have this confidence in what we're hoping for in our faith and the assurance of what he has done, the assurance of things that we cannot even see yet based on all of the things that he has done. Let's move into verse 26. Because this is yet the peace that is to come that, that will be unmistakable. That at the end of those days, as he cuts short those days as we have faith in what he is doing in our world, verse 26, at the same, at that time, people will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. And he will send his angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth and to the ends of the heavens. Now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see these things happening, you know that it is near, right at the door. And truly, I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, 
but my words will never pass away. There will be no way to mistake it when Jesus comes back. That the rapture has already happened and as we align it in our eschatology, the study of the end times, the body and the church that has believed in Jesus has already been removed and this tribulation period of persecution on our world has intensified and now we're at the place of the second coming of Jesus. When Jesus comes back to set up his kingdom, there will be no way to mistake it. It will be great power and glory. As it says, He's going to send his angels back to gather together all of the elect from the, the four corners of the earth from the heavens. He's going to bring them all back. And he says, like, like you know when summer is coming, when you see the buds of the trees popping out and when their twigs are, are tenderizing, he calls it, they, they've become supple and you see the beginnings of those leaves, then you know that the end is near. And so take all of these things and continue to study what it is that God is doing in our world, looking at the birth pains that are necessary, the rumors of wars, all of those things that are happening, and, and take stock of them, yes, but have faith that God ordered all of this in his plan. And then look for him to come back. As the church is gone and he comes back to set up this thousand-year reign, his millennial kingdom, as it's, as it's worded inside of Revelation, he's coming back for a thousand years to reign here and establish a new heaven and a new earth for us based on his promises that his word will never pass away. He uses this word generation to set up even more tension. He says, this generation will certainly not pass away until I see all these things happen. And he uses a word here inside of the Greek that means the current generation as well as its lineage, the future. And he sets up this tension again between things that we will see and will have information and answers and yet things that we will have to trust in faith that are coming. He continually and perpetually wants us to live in that tension and has done so since the foundation of the world. He promises us that he will come back, that at some point Jesus will return. There's a few things that have to happen and we're going to see things get worse, monumentally worse in our world. But one day Jesus is going to come back in his power and his glory. And in verse 32, this is what Jesus tells the disciples to focus on. And as we swirl around with all of the questions that we have in our world today about what's going on and, and is this the end? What's happening? Are we struggling with that thing in our heart that keeps us from faith? Jesus tells us very clearly in verse 32. But about that day or hour when Jesus is coming back, not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father knows. Be on guard. 
Be alert. You do not know when that day will come. It's like a man going away. And he leaves his house and he puts his servants in charge with an assigned task. And he tells the one at the door to keep watch. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know when the owner, when the owner of the house will come back whether it will be in the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows or at dawn. And if he comes suddenly, let him not find you sleeping. And what I say to you, I say to everyone, watch. As we were reading through chapter 12, and now we look at chapter 13, Jesus gives that parable of the tenant farm right there. The owner leaves and puts it in charge, in the charge of his servants. And they were wicked servants. They took over ownership of it and they killed his son. Jesus then revisits that same line for us again in chapter 13. And at the end of the chapter, after the disciples have questioned him about, tell us more information, God says, watch. Watch. That's what Jesus ends chapter 13 with. Be on your guard. Be alert. Have faith that he is coming back. Anticipate the owner coming back and be ready to rejoice with him. Don't let him find you asleep at the wheel, coasting through life, doing things that, that bring pleasure to you physically. All of this that Jesus lays out in chapter 13 is really about the condition of your heart. Don't be so consumed in the things that you can see and touch and taste and get a hold of. Exercise your faith. Have hope in what you, what you cannot see yet. Put your faith in the Holy Spirit, in what Jesus has done for you, and be about the business of sharing your testimony that the gospel is preached through all of the circumstances of your everyday life. So that when the owner comes back, when the man at the door, the servant that is in charge of watching says, here comes the owner, you're ready. You're prepared. Your heart is at peace and rest. And you are ready to, to have that relationship with Jesus that the elect are promised. That, that those who come to faith in Christ inside of his body are given. That we get to rule and reign with him for a thousand years. It's not about wondering if, if I can understand and figure out what day I have to be ready. It's about being ready every day taking stock of what I do and saying, I want today to be the day and I want to be ready when Jesus comes back and allow your life to be faithful testimony to those around you of Jesus' coming. Father, thank you that you don't give us all of the answers, that you leave us in this tension, that we, that we have to trust you I pray that we would grow in our ability to do that. That we would, and as I have had to learn in these
these days that we are not promised tomorrow. Whether by the shortening of our life through death or by your coming back for us, I can't be promised that I, that I can put off to tomorrow what I should be doing today. Lord, I pray that you would remind me every day that each day is a gift and that as I focus on it, I trust the Holy Spirit and you give me the words and the guidance that I need for today. Lord, I pray that we would all live more that way and that your glory would come sooner rather than later for our behalf. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the folks that are hearing it. I pray for their hearts today. In Jesus' name, amen.